friends to another live conversation on Alatra TV. Today, we have a very special guest with us as we continue to meet people around the world. But before I introduce him, I would like to remind our viewers the format of our program tonight. So tonight, we will get to know our guest, and we will also find out how does he envision building a creative society, a society where everyone is happy and lives a fulfilled life. And if you never heard about the Project Creative Society, please visit alatraunites.com. It is run by volunteers from 180 different countries with one goal in mind, to unite people under one idea of building a society we all can be proud of. So tonight, my name is Olga, and my co-host is Steve. Welcome, Steve. And with us, we have Ed Andrew, and he's a career and life strategist. Welcome, Ed. Welcome. Thanks, Olga and Steve. Pleasure to be here. So great to have you with us. Please tell us a little bit more about your background and what do you do? Oh, well, there you go. There's a journey for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my background, I'll be brief on that. So I'm English, as you can probably hear. I'm sitting here in Australia, where I've been for the best part of 20 years. Started my life... Um, as an English barrister, which is an attorney, a lawyer, um, did that for a while, then went into the world of headhunting and came to Australia 20 years ago, just over, just under 20 years ago, the day after 9-11, I set up my first company, um, which was a very challenging time, obviously. And I did that for 10 years, um, sold that company 10 years ago, had an office in India and in Australia. Um, and I suppose, for I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I've run businesses on three continents. I've grown them to eight figures in revenue, seven figures in profits. And I've coached and consulted for the last eight years. But ultimately, and I have a podcast called Human Impact. So it's very aligned to um, the, the creative society and sort of sustainability and ecological civilization or, or revolution, depends on which side of the fence you sit on. Um, but ultimately, what drove me to being a young lawyer and deciding age 16, that's what I wanted to do with my life, was a sense of social justice. I, I used to argue and debate all the time with my family. I think it used to drive them nuts, probably. But it was a sense of social justice. And I think that has remained with me through my business career. And now I coach people. I coach many veterans, military veterans, um, and also, you know, Fortune 50 CEOs. But it's coming from a place of humanity. How do we bring humanity back to work and life? And being a long-time business owner and being and having a long-time corporate um, career in the sense of serving those people, it's abundantly clear that the world, the way that we treat our people, both in organizations um, and outside, is not clear it's not transparent it's not very fair there is no sense of i don't find there's a great sense of social justice for people as well and i think that we've been programmed and conditioned to behave in a very certain way which is detrimental to our physical and emotional and psychological well-being not just individually but collectively as well and hence why here we are in 2020 with the problems we have around the world so my coaching is all around bringing humanity back to work and life, which is around how do we, to me, is how do I help people rebuild or actually not rebuild, create a new life which supports and sustains them and moves away from a life which seemingly serves them financially. But ultimately, we know that after a period of time, the wheels begin to fall off. They begin to get a little bit derailed by their own traumas and experiences in life. 
and they have become disconnected from what it actually means to be a human being. So I hope that's a good enough snapshot of what I do and where I come from. Edward, love that. This, I, that's really cool that you've been traveling so much. And one of the things we want to do is kind of dive into more of the personal side of you as well. Uh, our crack production IT team has scoured the internet to pull a collage of pictures together of you. So, well, if, I hope uh, they're me and not someone else. <laughs> if you would direct your attention to our screen there, they're going to pull those up right now. And tell us a little bit more about you as you, as you tell us about these pictures. Okay. I'm going to wait to see them. Can't see them yet. Here we go. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go from left to right. I, I can't see, I mean, it's tr quite hard to see the top screen. Um, so you've got an image of me podcasting. Uh, so I have a podcast called Human Impact. I've done that for now three years. So that's with me and my mic and the laptop. And that's also me coaching. And the podcast is called Human Impact and was really designed and set up to help understand what is our impact on this planet and the universe as human beings. And so the impact that we have on our environment and the impact it has, has on us individually and collectively. So pe talking to people like Jack Canfield, who wrote Success Principles and Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mark Victor Hansen, his co-founder, also people like Dr. Stephen Gundry, very famous cardiologist, now nutritionist in America, and environmentalists um, and business owners, but people who have, I would say, a social conscience who are building their business for a reason they may have veered off that track previously in their life as many of you know we don't always start with a very conscious basis well we do when we're born but we tend to lose that maybe over time so that's that image and that's something which um you know i, I thoroughly enjoy doing st and, and still and still have my podcast the one on the bottom left is <laughs> I think it was taken about a month ago, me sitting on a horse for the very first time up in Byron Bay uh, in Australia, which is one of the most beautiful centers. It's also one of the principal centers of healing historically for the um, indigenous community. So they used to go to this place called Byron Bay, which sits on a ley line, very strong energetic center. And they didn't live there. Um, but as, a, as Westerners, we've actually gone and populated, but it's an incredibly beautiful place. And I, when I first did my meditation up there, it was incredible. The energy was overwhelming. And I, I say I try to control it. You can't really control energy, but I realized it was rushing at me in a way that I hadn't experienced probably since I lived in Bali. So there's me on a horse for the first time in 20 years. My, both my daughters are very keen equestrians and oh, that was on a, that was on a holiday. Um, and that sort of gives you a little insight into life. So we live here in the Hunter Valley in Australia, which is uh, horse country and wine country. But it's very important to, to us to get out and restore, recharge and repair pretty much every day. I know that this concept of remember to unplug on holiday, I just don't think that concept works, never has worked. If you can't unplug every day or every few days, then what's the point of a holiday in the first place? Um, you're just going to be stressed. This, the, the middle image at the bottom is, I think, with Tim Allison, Scotty Schindler, who's been on your show as well. So when COVID hit the early in the year, Tim, Scotty and I, well, I invited Tim and Scotty into a program which we ran for 10 weeks, which was to support mainly business owners, entrepreneurs through the journey of change as COVID impacted their private lives and their business lives. And it was purely giving back. So we would have, uh, you know, we'd have people coming on the show every week, 
asking us questions about their different businesses around the world or different business ventures they want to do. And Scotty, Tim and I have got, I don't know, 70, 80 years of experience as business owners. So that was really, that was our, our big mission to give back and help people as they were struggling and experienced different periods of change during COVID. And the, the last on the bottom right is my book, which is just over there. I can't quite reach it. Um, or maybe I can. Who knows? Let's see if we can grab it very quickly. Without falling off my chair. <laughs> uh, this, here's my book. There it is. I nearly fell off the chair, but I managed to avoid that. So this is something I wrote um, last year. And it wasn't, it's called The Golden Ticket to Your Dream Job. And it's really 200 pages explaining how the world of employers and interviews work. Um, and it's also a, sort of a, a look in the eyes to don't mess this up. We have one shot at life. Don't go pursuing things which don't serve us. But the interesting thing about that is not the first book I ever wanted to write. I wrote it because so many people said to me, Ed, can you help me navigate this place? I, I want to make this change. I want to make this transition. I don't know how to do so. It's such a people who've worked in the same job for 20 years, they really have never maybe had an interview in their lives. So I wrote the book to help them understand the psychology of an employer, candidate, and, and, um, and recruiter. Um, so that's that, and that came out earlier this year. And uh, there are, there's another book, which I was co-authored, which is coming out um, in about a week's time, which is part of Blue Talks, which is Business Life Universe. So that, uh, that sort of gives you, an, do you know that? Do you come across that? No, I haven't seen it, but your life experiences are really a lot. And it, it, it's just amazing to see the, what one human being can really do. And I really like what you said, that we only got one shot at this life. Yeah. So how do we make sure to live it to the fullest? And what does personal responsibility play in it? Well, there you go. There's a big question there, Olga. I mean, I think to me, I know you talk about the creative society and what you're trying to do. And I've, I've talked about this around ecological civilizations and been guests, had podcast guests as well on my show about this. I think we have a collective responsibility individually as consumers. I think that it's all very well to say that governments should be the ones to change or industry leaders, but ultimately it doesn't really serve them. They're not really set up to do that. I think we have to have an individual responsibility how we behave, what we buy as consumers, how we engage with other people, with society. And I think that's where the principal place of change comes from. And so in terms of what I do and how I help people is get them to understand that you do have this one chance of life, that it's time to break free of the identity which we've created for ourselves based on what other people expect us to do as opposed to what serves us in life. And also to understand that what served us 10 years ago or 20 years ago may no longer serve and support us as we evolve through our own lives. And the more we become better at that, become more of our own habits and patterns and behavior and communicate better with other people, then that spreads. And the, the community or the ripple effect of our own consciousness helps to other people to become aware of theirs and to become more aware of our impact generally on what we do. I like that. Edward, you talked about collective and community, and that's really like kind of what the creative society um, comes around. How do we as human beings more deeply connect with others around us, especially others who might not think and believe the same way we do? 
Well, it's very interesting that. Um, I had a guest who I'm going to recommend at the end. Anyway, but I'm going to do it now. And she's a lady called Mampela Rampeli. And she was a partner of Steve Biko, you know, a prominent South African anti-apartheid activist. She had two children with him, one of whom passed away at a young age. And she stood to be president of South Africa in the recent elections. Fascinating lady. And we talked on this very subject um, because this is her mission in life as well. And what she said, how we go through this process of healing and, and um, regeneration is in the African tribal world, they used to sit down in a circle and you're able to express, so everyone saw each other. There was no one sitting behind you. You're all sitting facing each other. And everyone was able to express their grievances. Like, you know, you said you would do this, you didn't do this. I, I feel rejected or I feel upset or I'm elated. But everyone has done this in a very safe environment. You can express whatever you want, but it's safe and it's protected. So your, your feelings may be hurt, but it's not a personal attack. There's no intention to hurt you. And this is how we resolve and, and heal. In fact, interestingly, I gather that that practice is also used in part ways in things like special forces and elite sports, where at the end of a game or the end of whatever mission they're on, they sit down, they have a very frank conversation, which is none of these, this conversation leaves the room, but we're able to express ourselves freely without fear of being hurt. And I think that is one of the keys to communication, to express ourselves freely with, with different beliefs, with open mind, being present and being able to observe, observe what everyone else says. And then think of, well, does this, how do I change? And I think there was, a, was an interesting podcast I listened to a while ago. It's on the Rich Rob podcast. And he was talking with um, a leadership culture well known in America about um, the principle of it takes 10,000 hours to become a master of something and uh, it, it takes 10,000 hours to be a master in one particular art and I think it was it's Malcolm uh, Gladwell isn't it if I think um, um, but he actually they sat down and had a conversation and a, a debate and I think um, Malcolm Gladwell changed his debate to you don't have to be, you can spend the time, but you can spend it on many different areas as opposed to one. And he actually changed his whole concept and the construct of his book and theory behind that based on somebody else's opinion and belief. Because he was open and present and able to observe and listen and believe, well, how, as opposed to I've already heard this before, or this hurts me. What can I learn from this conversation? I think as humans, it's very hard for us to do that. We're not designed ultimately in this. In we're designed this to reject of, things, right? <laughs> we're designed to survive, you know, um, fight, run away, be in fear. We're not really designed to listen. A hunter is designed to listen and observe and watch but we don't really take those practices into our daily life. And I think it's an acceptance of ourselves to say we need to change our own practices. We need to go back to the core essence of what it is to be a human being. And I think that's the essence of how do we resolve these issues, Steve? So Ed, what type of conditions do we really need to create on the planet Earth for everybody to be able to become that human being with a capital H? What do you think? I think, I mean, in terms of conditions, I think it's, it comes down to a personal choice. Okay. 
countries can create conditions for, to, for, for various freedoms and, and movement of people and goods and everything else. So, so we sort of have that already. We have, we have the conditions already to allow us to do that, but it depends on which country you're sitting in. It depends whether you're sitting in, a, in an oppressed regime or a, um, a Western regime or a democratic regime, if, if you believe in those, and they work for you. But I think it comes down to a personal choice of wherever you are and what you're doing. It's like, who do I want to show up as every day? Who do I want to serve? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be known for? Not from an egoic perspective, but simply what's, what legacy do I leave? How do I share the knowledge I have with other people without any sense of superiority or judgment? And it's going back again to those human qualities and, and a personal choice. It's like it doesn't, you know, everyone is afraid of what everyone else is going to think. How many of my clients say, I want to do this, but I'm afraid of what everyone else will think of me if I go. And I've been through this process myself. I've been through so many different iterations in life and different businesses and, and, and different ways of thinking about business and who I want to show up as. It's hard because society creates this identity of who you are. And if you don't understand that identity is merely something that you've created and no one really cares about you, they just care about what value you can add and how you can help people we can let go of that. But I think the reality is, is that it comes down to a personal choice. I want to change. I want to change the outcomes that have been affecting me my entire life. How do I go about doing that? How do I make that sustainable? Because ultimately my mantra is be kind first to yourself and then to others. You can't be kind. You cannot help other people if you are not kind to yourself. And, and that's one of the hardest things for us as a human being to do is actually self-love. It's, it's something which it took me a very long time, decades, to really understand what that meant and then how we can send that beautiful energy out to other people and help them. And again, it's a human emotion. I think people, and this is one of the biggest struggles I think we face, is that as humans, we have this such superior identity of us as a species, okay? But ultimately, we're an animal, you got to remember, we're a mammal, we're an animal, okay? And if you look at any other animal on the planet, what do they use? They have much far smaller brains than we do, right? For their logical thinking, analytical mind. And they have a much greater sense of sentient awareness. But we human beings have that as well. We cannot connect to what is being created on this planet in the universe unless we allow ourselves to make that connection for ourselves because for the last 200 years we've been told that the value base of a human being is in their logical analytical thinking mind not in our wholeness and our connectedness and if you don't have that you're operating your human operating system is running at 40 percent of its capacity you suppress your immune system you get sick you know you're just not experiencing life as a human being and i think it's it's to me it's fundamental to understand that we have this total operating system without which how are we possibly able to even think about evolving and moving forwards? Mm, that's very powerful. That's that collectiveness is really what the creative society is all about. Um, I'm going to ask our producers to show a short video on the eight foundations of the creative society. Then Olga will, and you guys will discuss that, uh, what these mean.
recommendations were put together because for the past six years, we were able to interview millions of people around the globe. And we just put all their answers into nice format for us, the eight pillars of the creative Society. So, Ed, I know you have resonated with every single one of them, and they are so important and cannot be done without another. But I really want to discuss number two, which is human freedom. Mm -hmm. So I will ask our IT team to bring it up. I'll quickly read it for our viewers, and then we can go into the discussion. So number two, human freedom. Every human is born with the right to be a human being. All people are born free and equal. Everyone has the right to choose. There can be no one and nothing on earth above a human, his freedom and rights. The implementation of human rights and freedoms must not violate the rights and freedoms of others. So, Ed, how important is this foundation? Well, we discussed this earlier, Olga. I mean, to me, all of the eight pillars are incredibly important. They're critical, but ultimately, unless you have freedom, you have none of them. <laughs> Right, <laughs> that's the, the, the freedom of choice, the freedom of thought, the freedom of action, the freedom to choose to behave in a certain way. I think regardless, and I've spoken to many people who come from, who've had very traumatic experiences in their life, but they've overcome them by giving themselves permission to change and act and, and, and behave in a certain way. Because if you, if you read people who are spent a long time in prison or um, as a refugee, and there comes my daughter, darling, we're live on TV, so what's up? <laughs> She's popping out again. How's she coming, Sela? I don't know, darling, you've got chocolate all over your face. Okay, I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> That's yes, okay, we can't go. see her on the live She's another human so being she's anyway. safe. <laughs> She's, there you go, there's another little human being coming in and asking. <laughs> um, well, she has the, her freedom to do so, so let her, right? She has the freedom to do so. <laughs> she has the freedom to do so, exactly. And I think, you know, when, when you listen to people who have spent a long time in environments where they are incarcerated or they're res physically restrained, um, they say that the one thing they still had was their mind. They still had the freedom to think. They couldn't move. They couldn't leave their environment, but they were able to still create. Now, I think that's a very powerful message for every one of us who has the freedom to walk out of our front door and get in a car or a bus or a train and go and do something, um, is to enable that creativity, enable that freedom. And, as, and I think that, that one of the great lines of, of your expression of freedom is not to hinder anybody else's freedom in your own journey, because we have our own beliefs. We have our own systems, our operating systems that we like to live by. And it's rather like, if you look at where social media is today, you can write a post on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, and you're going to get, if you have any degree of number of followers, a lot of people who agree with you and a lot of people who will destroy your beliefs. And based on that, their beliefs are the only beliefs which are accurate. And therefore, you're a charlatan, you're an imposter, you don't deserve to have this conversation. And this is what we're talking about is that we have this inherent freedom to express ourselves. But other people also have a, an inherent freedom to disagree with you. But if you're going to disagree with that, there's a difference between a debate and an attack. An attack is against you personally. A debate is questioning your ideology. And I think what's happened is we've morphed into this world of personal attack as to debate around ideology. 
And I think that's one of the principal dangers that we face because an expression of interest, an expression of belief is seen as an attack on somebody else's, which is not intended to be. That's so powerful too. And that's, I would love to continue this for another 30, 40 minutes, but I know we are not allowed to. Time is running short. I want to ask you though, and you, you kind of, Brent, you already brought it up a little bit, but we always ask our guests if there was someone you'd like to recommend to come to our show. Um, so you can bring up the same name or feel free to bring up another name. Okay. Uh, there, there we'll are, leave that to you, Edward. So, Well, there, there are four people that, that um, I've had on my show who I think resonate with you incredibly on this particular subject. And the first one is Mampelo Rampeli um, in South Africa. And then we have um, David Corton, I think, is he's one of the she's one of the founding members of the Club of Rome. David is as well. And there are a couple of others which I will uh, I'll reflect to you. But these are people who all um, very much believe in the philosophy of how do we restore civilization to our planet and humanity to our planet. And I think they would be interesting people for, for you to, to spend time with as well. Yeah, and, and, and this is this is what they do every day of the week. <laughs> awesome! So we'll reach out to them and we'll invite them to continue the conversation about creative society as we are reaching millions of people in the open conversation. We're not having the close call meetings. Nothing. We are talking about humanity openly and honestly because the creative society is the society of honest people, and there is no gray. It's only black and white. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Ed, for being on. And before we go, is there something you would like to wish to our audience tonight? Yeah, there's a phrase I just want to share with you, which is the pain that you feel today is always far greater than the pain of the change that you fear. And what that basically means is that so many people are afraid of a change or transformation in their lives because of the impact and the confrontation it's going to have. But ultimately, it's a much easier and more beautiful process than if you are struggling with life and where you're at today than where you sit today. So actually, the process of change is much more, much more comfortable than you imagine it will be. It'll be hard, but the place you get to is of infinite reward and abundance. Um, thank you so much, Ed. And let's put the fear aside. And please, uh, for our viewers, go ahead and learn about Project so uh, Creative Society. You can visit alatriunites.com. And uh, to support the project, please uh, click join us now. And at that form, you can select uh, your level of participation. If you, uh, if you uh, would like to volunteer like Steve and I are doing, if you would like to help us translate everything in different languages so we can reach as many people as possible. If you like to be a guest on our program or if you just like to share your idea of building a creative society and how we can achieve it faster with your knowledge and life experience. So thank you so much, Ed, for being on. And Steve, thank you so much for co-hosting. And also before we go, we're gonna say our goodbyes, but before we go, I would like to invite everybody. On December 20th, we will have a global live broadcast. It's a conference about Creative Society United We Can. We will answer all the questions anyone might have about the Project Creative Society why it is important for our civilization and how everybody can get involved. So please, I would like to play a little clip about it as we wave our goodbyes. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. 
Every day, we share a great amount of information. This information forms our reality. Is this the way we wish to live? We need change. The change starts with us, with the information we share. Consumer society leads us to death. We need a new vector of life, a creative society. It is up to you and me to build a creative society worldwide, where human life is the main value. Development of humanity is the main aim. Human safety is the main priority. Is it possible to build a creative society now? Yes. All we need to do is unite in one common idea. A creative society. People around the world are already acting to share the idea of creative society with the whole world to make it a reality. Learn how on the unique international online conference, Creative Society, United We Can, December 20, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, live on Alatra TV. You are the one who can change the future.